Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder. Now, we're talking about someone that's in your office, and it's not the person that eats fish every Friday or the one that is constantly popping their gum next door. It is your office martyr, and these are the people who are the first person in the office every morning, and they're the last ones to leave at night, and they make sure that you know it. Now, joining us to talk about this is Melody Wilding, and she is a licensed therapist and psychology expert. I wanted to ask you if you could describe what an office martyr looks like and what they sound like and when you're interacting with them. Sure. So an office martyr essentially is the person who I think a lot of us are familiar with who walks around bragging about how busy they are or how overwhelmed they are or how much they have on their plate. It's really someone who uses how much work they have or how busy they are as a way to get sympathy and elicit some sort of emotional response out of people. So they're also usually then talking about how much work they have to do and not really talking about that proactively, mm-hmm. but rather in a, in a really self-defeating way, sort of saying, you know, oh, I'll manage somehow, I'll, I'll stay late again and I'll get it done, I'll figure it out, kind of looking for sympathy and really playing that victim role. What causes a person to become an office martyr? Is it just something that, you know, develops over time or are people just born this way? And I think there's a lot of reasons. It definitely varies by the person and the workplace culture. But really, it, it stems from a need to receive praise, which we all have. But it's really taken to the extreme. And it's sort of a, a self-adaptive way that people use to look for approval in the workplace whether that's from uh, approval from their boss or recognition from their colleagues that they're doing a good job, that they're pitching in. But it's it's sort of an unproductive, unhealthy way of getting that need met. Another sort of telltale sign of an office martyr is really the person who is denying their own needs Mm -hmm. at work. So this might be someone who's skipping lunch breaks or that person who hasn't taken vacation in three years just because they have to be at the office. Or a lot of times feeling like we have to be glued to our computer 24 hours a day or checking our email constantly on our phone because, God forbid, we miss something. In the martyr's mind, they really believe that they're the glue that holds the team together, that if they didn't answer an email, things might fall apart. Now, what kind of impact does this person have on the overall morale of a team? Yeah, I think it's very subtle, but it's it's very damaging. Mm-hmm. Even if there's one martyr or a lot of times there's many, since now there's really a pressure to always be on at the workplace to be contributing 110%. But really having those people playing that victim role, it becomes really bad for morale mm-hmm. and for the attitude and the culture at the workplace. It breeds resentment a lot of times among okay. other coworkers and colleagues who may become annoyed uh, by perceiving that that person is always complaining or really just has a negative attitude, kind of a down attitude for the person themselves, for the martyr themselves, it can lead to burnout, Mm -hmm. um, some really damaging physical effects from fatigue and exhaustion, getting sick all the time, things like that. So it's, it's just this really negative cycle. Now, in general, what do other individuals in the office think about this office martyr? Are they annoyed, they're indifferent, or are they grateful? 
I think there's a couple different responses and it depends on the person again. But one way that the, the murder might be perceived is as a pushover. Mm-hmm. So there might be people in the office who actually use that, that person to their advantage. A lot of times the murder does have problems saying no. And so other people take advantage of that by asking them to pick up slack or asking them to do their work for them. That, that person can become even more overwhelmed than they already are. And they don't really have the ability to say no. Other people, as I mentioned before, that person does seem, because they don't have a proactive attitude to sort of changing their circumstances and managing their workload, it can become really frustrating for other people who are trying to cope with their workload in positive ways. Uh, and it's draining, frankly, to have to emotionally handle someone like that all the time. And would you say that that's the most challenging thing with working with an office martyr is just being drained with having to kind of feel like you need to always give this person praise and empathize with them? Yeah, I think so. They they really drag down the entire emotional state uh, of the office. And add to that, that they're also not very productive or not very efficient with their time. So working with them and frankly, just getting things done and moving projects forward can be really difficult because these people are not as, because they're pulling themselves so thinly, they're not really giving really their full focus or energy to tasks, which makes it very difficult to work with them productively. Now, it sounds like martyrs can be a really hard person to work with. And I don't think that anyone actually sets out to be this way. So what kind of questions can you ask yourself to determine if you are an office martyr? Sure. So you know, a lot of the signs we sort of touched on. And, you know, just to kind of speak to your point of people don't set out to be this way, but all of us have this drive to want to do our best, to be our best, to impress other people. And we're conditioned from our first job, from going to school, that if we put in effort and we get a gold star, we'll be rewarded for that in the workplace with bonuses or pay raises. But that can be taken too far, which can then contribute to this sort of victim mm-hmm. mindset of always thinking we're busy. So some ways, to, some things to ask yourself if you think you might be falling into this is, are you overworking? Are you staying late every single night? Are you putting work above your personal life to a detriment? It's okay sometimes, but are you really starting to glut your family and your personal relationships and frankly alienating people and losing those relationships? Are you taking breaks? Are you the person who eats lunch at your desk, who uh, hasn't taken a vacation? Do you go to work when you're sick? I think another sign that many of us can probably relate with is that always being on mm-hmm. and always being available. So taking your phone into bed with you, checking your email and responding to emails on weekends, really not having those healthy boundaries set up. Is it possible to recover from being an office martyr? It sounds like it's a lot of things that kind of snowball and roll together and it can be a lot to untangle. So is it really possible to kind of get yourself back to a healthy place? Yeah, it definitely is. And I think it starts with disconnecting or dismantling the reward system you have up for being busy. You know, many of us wear that being busy and having a lot on our plate as a badge of honor. We sort of need to take apart that connection. You know, we we get a lot of feedback from people saying, "Wow, you know, you're doing such a great job." It's I don't know how you handle that. 
And that's a little bit of a self-esteem boost for us sometimes. It makes mm-hmm. us feel good, sort of this illusion in our head that we are being productive and pushing things forward. But in reality, we're, we're just hurting ourselves in the end. So you really have to take that apart and see that being busy all the time, constantly 24-7 and really running yourself to the point where you're just running on fumes is actually not healthy. Mm-hmm. And every day you have the choice of changing, of making a different decision that day. So you absolutely can change because every day is another chance to do that. Now, you know, if, you're, if you've been in the same workplace for a while and you've been distributing and kind of behaving in this way, do you think at that current organization that people will be receptive of your change? Or do you think that they'll kind of already have one perception of you and that perception can be hard to change? Sure, I think it's absolutely possible. I think people would welcome the change. It's, it's going to make you a better team player. It's going to make everyone else much happier. So you may run up to some resistance with some of those people that might have been taking advantage of you who now you're going to have to set boundaries with. And that can be tough in the beginning because, of course, the other person doesn't want to want to accept that you're going to stop doing their work for them. But in the end, it's ultimately going to be a better decision for everyone, not just you. Now, if this is you and this sounds exactly like what you've been doing in your own workplace, what are the steps that you should take to overcome this problem? I think the first step is just admitting it, Mm -hmm. realizing that you are playing that victim role and that always kind of saying, oh, I'm so busy and really throwing that out there. Think about how you're really using it as an emotional lever against other people. And, And I think that's something that goes hand in hand with that is letting go of this myth that you will be just magically rewarded because you work really hard and stay late. Yes, there is some truth to that, that you have to put in the effort, but what goes hand in hand in that is that you have to advocate for yourself. So you really, if you want to raise, you have to show your boss and be proactive about seeking that out. Uh, you can't expect that things are just going to come to you. You know, we've touched on you. You have to admit this. You genuinely want to have to change. You need to let go of this myth. And those sound like some, you know, it's easy to say, but actually doing it can be a lot different, especially when you've kind of become stuck in this pattern of behavior. So what recommendations would you have for people if, you know, they're really having a hard time with these first couple stops? Well, saying no is definitely one of the most important things you have to do that can be really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. So. For martyrs, it can be hard to learn how to delegate, but that's possibly one of the most important steps you can take is looking at what's on your plate already that you've already taken on too much and analyzing really what you could give to other people, what you could delegate out or outsource to someone else, and really learning to ask for help. Mm -hmm. That can really discharge uh, that victim mentality of I have to do everything and really learning to set those boundaries and asking for help from other people is huge. Right. And what do you think about, you know, how the catastrophic language like, oh, this is ne- the world is ending. I'll never be able to get all this done, but I'll, I'll figure it out somehow. So if you kind of get rid of that language and stop approaching things in that way, will that help as well? Definitely. I think martyrs tend to look at situations with a worst case scenario lens. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, uh, you may feel like, oh, but if I don't answer this email, this whole project is going to fall apart and we'll, we'll never get that new client. 
Well, is that when you start challenging those beliefs, you start to realize that that's probably not true um, when you start reality testing some of those beliefs. So if you can stop that extreme thinking, cut out using words like always, never, uh, these really inflated kind of language, it can help tone down that emotional response you have mm-hmm. and keep you from thinking in that worst case scenario thinking and really push you towards something that's more productive and realistic. Mm -hmm. I always approach things with a sense of humor, and I think that having a good sense of humor can maybe help alleviate things. So do you think that the humor has a time and a place when you're trying to overcome being the office martyr? Sure, sure. Office martyrs take work and, and their professional job way too seriously. Again, it's sort of that all or nothing, without me, everything would fall apart. So if you can start injecting some playfulness, some humor, start having fun with your work again, start finding that purpose of what you got into this job in the first place for again. And that that might come in little ways. It might come from putting on your favorite music on your way to work. You can sort of let go and sing along on your commute. Or it may be going out to a happy hour with your coworkers instead of staying at the office late and kind of working away by yourself. Just really finding those opportunities to genuinely connect with other people, finding healthier outlets for your emotions can help. So those are all great things to try. Now, what do you think are some common challenges that individuals face when they're trying to recover? Yeah, so so like I said, I think saying no is a huge one. Mm-hmm. It's definitely very scary for a lot of people, especially uh, when you're managing up to a boss. Um, having to say no or push back can be really difficult at first, but that all comes with practice, with some courage. For example, uh, when you're managing up to your boss, and let's say, for example, you needed a report from your boss, the more specific you can be uh, with them rather than, hey, I'm just checking in with about that report with you, um, you might respond with say, saying instead, uh, could you let me know by 3 p.m. if you have any specific changes to Section C of this report? That's much more specific, mm-hmm. and you've helped your boss help you to move that project forward. So that's one example. I think expressing that you need help is something that's also very hard for martyrs since they're used to taking everything on themselves. So learning that asking for help from others around you, from your family or your friends for support when you're going through things, is a healthier way to seek that out. And disconnecting and realizing that you need to disconnect from work to emotionally uh, and mentally refill your reserves is so important. Now, we are up against the clock today, and I wanted to give you the floor here at the end to share any final messages or pieces of advice to those who maybe are the office martyr or to those individuals who are working with an office martyr. The one thing I wanted to say was that I think today being busy is really cool. It's really trendy to have multiple projects on your plate, to even have a full-time job and be hustling outside your job. I want to encourage people to sort of go against the grain and buck that trend Mm -hmm. and really start practicing that when you're having conversations with other people, not to say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm just so overwhelmed really cut that out uh, of your language and your conversations and to try to more genuinely connect with people you network with or with your family and friends rather than just talking about how busy you are. 
Well, there you have it. We have been speaking with Melody Wilding about how to find out if you are the office martyr and what to do about it. Melody, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljanradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send our team an email at aljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with Aljan Radio, and I wish you the best of luck.